Among the more fascinating people who appear in the Book of Revelation are the two witnesses. Their words and actions will make it very clear that they were sent by God, and tragically, the world will hate them. What can we know about their identity and purpose? That's our subject in this episode of Foreshadows Report. The two witnesses are part of the all-star cast in the book of Revelation. They will have an enormous influence on what happens during the tribulation. They will help spur a revival, yet they will also have miraculous powers that bring judgment and plagues upon the earth. As we read about the two witnesses, there's a lot we can learn about what life will be like during the tribulation. And there are practical lessons we can learn for ourselves as we look to their example. In this episode of Foreshadows Report, we're going to explore what Scripture says about the two witnesses. And as we do so, we'll see the ways that God uses them to accomplish His work during the tribulation. Before we begin, it's important to point out that the two witnesses make their appearance in Revelation chapter 11. This chapter is one of three different intermissions in the book of Revelation. The book unfolds mostly in chronological order, but there are three places in Revelation where God's judgments stop momentarily so we can be introduced to some of the main characters in Revelation. These intermissions are not in chronological order. Rather, they step away from all the action for a bit and inform us of key players on the world stage during the end time. In the first and third intermissions, we read about the 144,000 Jewish messengers and the Antichrist. And in the second intermission, or Revelation chapter 11, we read about the two witnesses. With that in mind, let's begin by reading what the Apostle John wrote in Revelation chapter 11, verses 3 through 6. I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. They have the power to shut the sky, that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the water to turn them into blood, and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. Here we're told the two witnesses will be granted authority that comes directly from God, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days. When we do the math, we see that comes to three and a half years. Scripture tells us that the entire tribulation period will last seven years. And in several passages, we read references to the first three and a half years and the last three and a half years. 
Revelation 11 does not say whether the two witnesses will carry out their ministry during the first half of the tribulation or the second. But there are clues in chapter 11 and other passages that seem to indicate it's the first half, and we'll learn more about that in a moment. In Revelation 11.3, we're told the two witnesses will wear sackcloth. In the Bible, when a person wore sackcloth, it was an outward sign of repentance and mourning. Many of God's prophets wore sackcloth, which is appropriate because their purpose was to warn people of coming judgment. Their sackcloth represented grief over the fact people were rebelling against God and living in sin. During the tribulation, evil will explode, and the two witnesses will warn people that if they don't turn away from their sin, they will face judgment. Next, in verse 4, the two witnesses are described as two olive trees and two lampstands. The language here is similar to language that appears in Zechariah chapters 3 and 4. Some Bible commentators say that the connection between olive trees and lampstands may refer to the fact olive oil is the fuel that provides light on a lampstand. So Revelation 11.4 may be telling us that the preaching from the two witnesses will fuel a revival. Their words will bring light to a dark world. Another possibility is that Zechariah chapters 3 and 4 mention the high priest Joshua, as well as Zerubbabel, a governor. Both of these men were gifted with power from the Holy Spirit, which can be symbolized by olive oil. So it's possible Revelation 11.4 is saying that the two witnesses will be specially empowered by the Spirit, which will make them shine as bright lights in the midst of spiritual darkness. Next, we read that anyone who attempts to harm the two witnesses will be consumed by fire. In the Bible, fire is often associated with God's wrath. No one will be able to stop or silence the two witnesses. God will supernaturally protect them, and this will get the attention of people all over the world. Because of God's protection, their message will be heard. Some people will listen and become saved, but many others will harden their hearts. Revelation 11.6 goes on to say that they will have the power to shut the sky, turn water to blood, and strike the earth with plagues as often as they want. God will give them the power to do miracle, and this is consistent with the power that God gave to his Old Testament prophets. The fact a prophet could do miracles served as confirmation he was a spokesman for God. 2 Corinthians 12.12 says that one way to tell a true apostle is by his ability to do signs and wonders. God will use miracles to authenticate the message spoken by the two witnesses. Their power will be a testimony that they are truly from God. Now, the miracles done by the two witnesses may provide clues about their identity. There are some Bible teachers who believe the two witnesses will be Moses and Elijah. In my recent podcast about the 144,000, 
I mentioned that Daniel 9.24 makes it clear the tribulation will be a time when God deals with the Jewish people. The church will be taken up at the rapture, and then God will turn his attention to the Jews. He will reach out to them and call them to salvation. Moses and Elijah are two of the most prominent and respected figures in Israel's history. Some Bible teachers believe God will bring Moses and Elijah back to earth to get the attention of the Jewish people. Those who hold this view say that Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 and 18, seem to hint at a possible return of Moses in the future. And in Malachi 4, 5, God says, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Because the day of the Lord includes the tribulation in Christ's return, they say this may mean that Elijah will return during the end time. Also, the miracles done by the two witnesses will be similar to those done by Moses and Elijah. It was through Moses that God sent the ten plagues upon Egypt, and Elijah was able to shut the sky so that no rain would come to Israel. Some Bible teachers believe the two witnesses will be Enoch and Elijah. Both of these prophets never died. Both were raptured to heaven. Some of the early church fathers held this view as well. Because Enoch and Elijah never died, it's suggested that they'll come back as the two witnesses. While it's possible the two witnesses will be Moses and Elijah, or Enoch and Elijah, Revelation 11 does not reveal their identity. They may be two brand new prophets specially appointed by God for this task. Because Revelation 11 did not name them, we shouldn't be dogmatic about their identity. The most important fact about their identity is that they will be messengers for God, much like the 144,000 evangelists in Revelation 7 and 14. And even though we cannot be certain about their identity, we can be very clear on their purpose, to spread the gospel and warn of coming judgment. Up to this point, we've learned that the two witnesses will minister for 1,260 days, or three and a half years. They will be lights that shine in the darkness, and they will bring revival in a time of rebellion. They will warn people of God's judgment, and no one will be able to silence them. Anyone who tries to hurt them will be consumed by fire, and the two witnesses will do amazing miracles that confirm they are from God. Now let's look at select portions of the rest of Revelation chapter 11 to learn more about these two witnesses. Beginning with verse 7, we read this. When they have finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them, and their dead bodies will lie in the street. For three and a half days, some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb, and those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents, because the two prophets had been a torment 
to those who dwell on the earth. But after the three and a half days, a breath of light from God entered them, and they stood up on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies watched them. For three and a half years, no one will be able to kill the two witnesses. But eventually, there will come a time when the beast or the Antichrist will kill them. The fact he is able to do this does not mean he will be able to overrule God. Notice what verse 7 says. It is only when they have finished their testimony that God will permit them to be killed. In other words, this will be part of God's plan. They will die in God's timing. And their death will not leave God without any messengers. Remember, the 144,000 will proclaim the gospel worldwide for all seven years of the tribulation. Earlier I mentioned that the two witnesses will minister for 1,260 days. But we're not told whether they will serve during the first half of the tribulation or the second. Many Bible teachers suggest that it is the first half for these reasons. If the Antichrist were to kill the two witnesses at the end of the second half of the tribulation, then the very next event would be Christ's return. Scripture tells us Jesus will come to earth at the end of the seven-year tribulation. But when the witnesses are killed, Christ does not return yet. Instead, for three and a half days, people from all over the world will gaze on the dead bodies of the two witnesses. In other words, time will continue onward. This seems to suggest the witnesses will be killed at the end of the first half of the tribulation and not at the end of the second half. Also, you may be aware from Daniel 9.27 and Matthew 24.15 that at the halfway point of the tribulation, the Antichrist will commit what's called the abomination of desolation. He will enter the Jewish temple in Jerusalem and declare himself to be God. It's very possible that one of the reasons the Antichrist will feel bold enough to claim he is God is that he will have just killed the two witnesses. Remember, the two witnesses will tell people that they speak for God, and they will do miracles that confirm they are from God. But when the Antichrist killed the two witnesses, this will give the appearance that the Antichrist is more powerful than the two witnesses and their God. The Antichrist might use this as an opportunity to persuade people that the two witnesses were not really from God, and that instead, he himself is God. These clues seem to indicate the two witnesses will serve during the first half of the tribulation. After the witnesses are killed, their bodies will be left in the street. This will be a sign of great disrespect. The world will have hated the two witnesses for confronting them about their sin and for calling plagues upon the earth. For three and a half days, people all over the world will gaze on their dead bodies. This will be made possible by the internet. People will rejoice, make merry, and exchange presents. They will celebrate what the Antichrist has done. Because the Antichrist has freed them 
from the torment caused by the two witnesses, people will love and worship the Antichrist even more. They will celebrate a demonic version of Christmas. The gift-giving that is normally a part of celebrating Christ's birth will be twisted into a celebration of evil winning over good. But after three and a half days, God will breathe life into the two witnesses, and they will rise. This will cause great fear to strike everyone. We are told that people will clearly hear a voice from heaven that says, Come up here, and the two witnesses will ascend to heaven while their enemies watch. It's interesting to note that in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, the words, Come up here, are the exact same words that the Apostle John hears before he is taken up to heaven in a vision. Some Bible commentators suggest that the fact John is taken up to heaven before the beginning of the tribulation may be representative of the rapture. And for the two witnesses to be taken up to heaven is a rapture event, one of several raptures that we read about in Scripture. Revelation 11.13 tells us that after the two witnesses are raptured, there will be a great earthquake in Jerusalem. One-tenth of the city will collapse and 7,000 people will be killed. This will cause many people to give glory to the God of heaven. This doesn't necessarily mean they will become believers. Rather, the miraculous resurrection of the two witnesses and the earthquake will cause people to realize God is the one behind all of this. There will be no other possible explanation. While it's likely that some people will be convicted and repent, there will be others who curse God. Several times in the book of Revelation, we read about how people respond to God's judgment by hardening their hearts. So what lessons can we learn from the two witnesses? First, their message and their miracles will serve as proof they are from God. The evidence will be overwhelming. You may have heard people say that there will be no atheists during the tribulation. That's because God will make himself known very clearly through all of his judgment. As he pours out his wrath, people will know that God is the one behind it all. In Revelation 16 verses 10 and 11, we read that people will blame God for their agony. They will admit his existence, but they'll reject his call to turn away from their sin. They will love the darkness so much that they will refuse God's light. Second, even though the Antichrist will finally kill the two witnesses, the only reason he will be able to do so is because their time of ministry has ended. They will have done their job, and after they're killed, God will raise them to life again. All of this will demonstrate that God alone is sovereign and powerful over all things. God will make it clear that the world has to answer to him. There is no one who can overrule God. And third, all through the ages, God has appointed witnesses to testify of him. He has spoken through the Old Testament prophets, through Jesus' disciples, 
and for the past 2,000 years, he has spoken through Christians. This is our responsibility as believers. We are God's messengers. God wants to make himself known through our word and our actions. So as we read about the two witnesses, may we be reminded of our calling. Also, in the same way that the two witnesses were despised, we will be despised. As Jesus said in Matthew 10.22, You will be hated by all for my name's sake. We're to expect this, but it shouldn't discourage us. We are to care more about the salvation of souls than we do about how people view us. As Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That is our commission, and the closer we come to the rapture in the end time, the more urgent that commission becomes. Thank you very much for joining me for Foreshadowed Report. It's such a blessing for us to spend time together learning how we can keep watch and find hope and how we can live wisely in these last days. Living wisely in today's world happens to be one of the major themes in the new devotional book I've written, titled One Day Nearer. If you enjoy daily devotional, you'll find this book a great way to receive both instruction and inspiration on the topic of Bible prophecy. It's an opportunity to keep watch and find hope all 365 days of the year. You can find more information about One Day Nearer on my website, stevemillerresources.com. The book will become available on October 10th, and you can choose from four different retailers to pre-order it. In addition to the weekly Foreshadowed Report podcast, I also post short messages every day on my Telegram messenger channel called Foreshadowed Report. In my daily post, I share about what's happening around the world, and I also share quotes from the Bible and great Christian books. If you'd like to follow along, you can find a link to my Telegram channel by going to my website, which is at stevemillerresources.com. Thank you again for joining me today, and I'm grateful to Harvest House Publishers for making this podcast possible. <laughs>